All right. Good morning, Three Circle Church. All of you joining us here at all of our campuses. We got Sweet Home in Robertsdale. We have Daphne, Midtown, Mobile, and Thomasville. And then everyone joining us online, man. Great to have everyone here today. We're going to dive into the Apostles' Creed. We're going to do an entire series on the Apostles' Creed. Let me tell you why. First of all, what is the Apostles' Creed and why would we do it? Well, first of all, you need to know that the Apostles' Creed can date back, some date its final formulation to 300s A.D., 400s A.D., but you can really trace its origins even further than that. I believe you can trace them all the way back to the apostles themselves and the New Testament. So what is it? Well, the Apostles' Creed was the product of the early church. You need to know that. It summarized and it expressed the faith and the teaching of Jesus and the apostles. And it has stayed throughout time. It has held up to the test of time, the Apostles' Creed. No matter what came in the history of Christianity, the Apostles' Creed always stayed. When Martin Luther nailed his theses to the, to the front door of the church and a lot of things changed, that didn't change. The Apostles' Creed remained. It stayed true. It stayed strong. And so it has remained a faithful summation of the Christian faith. And we need that more than ever. We need to know what we believe and why we believe it. We need to be able to lead our homes, lead our kids, lead one another as Christians. If you've been a Christian a long time, I'm convinced this series is going to teach you a lot of things. It's going to remind you of a lot of things. If you are a new Christian, oh man, you couldn't have, you couldn't have hit a better series to be in on because it's going to teach you so much. And if you're not a believer at all, I'm praying that this series, as you hear more about what we believe as Christians, that it will draw you to the God we believe in. So these creeds, and this, there were several creeds, but this is the one that kind of stands the test of time. And it says, for all Christians in all places, this is what we believe as Christians. These are the big things we believe. And that's important because Jesus told us to teach people what we believe. Look at Matthew 28, 19 through 20. He said this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. You see that? Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, that's a big task. Teach them everything I've taught you. And what that means is the whole Word of God. So does this mean that we just hand the Bible to a new believer and go, here, good luck? I mean... Been a I've been a Christian for a long time. I've been teaching the Bible for 20 years. Still hard to understand. So the early church understood they were in the Roman Empire, and the Roman Empire believed all kinds of stuff. Sound like anything familiar? <laughs> like all over the map. So they had to go, no, this is what we believe. Whether you're a Christian in Thessalonica, or you're a Christian over in Corinth, or you're a Christian in Jerusalem, or you're a Christian in 300 AD, or a Christian in 2022 in uh, Alabama. This is what we believe. This is what we've always believed. This is what we will continue to believe. That's what the Apostles' Creed is all about. And what we want to tell you is we would, we would hope that this is not just something we'll memorize and something that we'll say. Many of you already have most of this memorized, just living life. No, we hope that this will be an external creed that will be an expression of our internal convictions. We want to move. The creed is just an expression of conviction. If it's not, that's how you get religion. And there have, throughout the ages, been people who memorized this creed and didn't believe a bit of it. People who mouthed and said this creed, and it was not a conviction for them. How do I know the difference in my life and yours? Well, when you actually obey these things, when, when you'll die for them, when you build your life based on these things you say you believe, now they're convictions, not just a creed that you're mouthing, not just a creed that you are reciting. 
That's very important for us to understand. And today what we're going to do, now that you understand what the creed was and why we have them, and what, in the New Testament, by the way, you can see the Apostle Paul and others using the formulation of a creed to go, hey, I've got all these letters, but if you were to sum it up, here's what we believe. That's what this is all about. And we're going to begin to walk through it. And today, you heard the creed read just a moment ago. But today, we're going to look at the first line. We're going to go line by line through the next few weeks. And the line we're going to look at today, and it's pretty ambitious, so we're going to fly through it fast. Hang on. Buckle up, all right? The first line we're going to look at is this. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Let me say it again. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We're going to take that line and look at it today from the Apostles' Creed. The first thing you need to see is this important feature. It's here. It's going to be throughout the whole creed, and it's this feature. I believe. We believe. The idea of belief. Christianity, this thing we say we are, Christians, we believe. Christianity is a belief thing. Every other religion is a do thing. Every other religion is a we do our way, we act our way to a God or a new way of living or a higher stage of life. Christianity is the one that says, no, no, you believe. You will do lots of things after that, but if you do without belief, then it doesn't matter. You can do all you want. If you don't believe, then you're not a Christian. Christians believe. And it's very important for us to understand, what does the Bible mean when it says belief? That's where we get this wrong, because I think we think it's just a mental ascent. Folks, you can have information and not have transformation. You can spout off this creed and a lot of other things and not be a Christian. Christians believe. The Bible, when it says believe, is a particular word. It's a Greek word, pastuo, and it really means this. This is just straight out of an expository dictionary. Believe means to be persuaded of. To place confidence in, to trust. And what this means is a sense of the word reliance upon, not mere credence. Again, we're studying the Apostles' Creed and we're telling you that you could say this creed and it not mean anything. It has to be internal convictions. Christians believe. Let me tell you, what doesn't make you a Christian? Being a good person. It doesn't make you a Christian. And, and I know my audience. And at all of our campuses, we live here in the South. Southerners believe we're good people. We're nice people. We are hospitable. Southerners are even mean in a nice way. Bless your heart. Right? It doesn't make us Christians. Let me tell you something else that doesn't make you a Christian. I just want to make this clear. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Listen, you can go lay down in your garage. doesn't make you a car. You can crawl in your oven. doesn't turn you into a biscuit. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Belief. Christians believe. We're transformed by belief. We believe things as Christians. And we don't just believe things. We believe in a person. We believe in a God. Jesus said belief is how we become Christians. John eleven twenty five. 25. He said to a woman, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he die." Yet shall he live. Whoever believes in me, the idea is to put your trust in, to put the weight of your life in. It means it becomes the authority in your life. You're not your own anymore. That's what Christians, all Christians of all times, have believed. And Jesus says, he who believes, whoever believes. But not just believes in any old thing. Look what he said closer. He who believes in me. And who is Jesus? God. 
So now let's talk about the next part of the line. We believe as Christians in God. So the object of our belief is God. The object of Christian belief is not just an energy force, not just a new way of life, not a creed by itself. No, we believe in God. Now what do we mean? Now that that begs a question. Because all kinds of people say they believe in God, right? There's all kinds of gods. The Romans didn't have a problem with believing in a God. They believed in tons of them. They were polytheistic, believed in lots of gods. And in fact, Christianity has always been one of the only monotheistic. We believe in one God. And see, what we need to do is make sure when we think of God, A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite writers of all time, great theologian, he said his famous line, the most important thing about a person is what that person thinks when they think about God. What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Heaven and hell is hanging on it. Eternity is hanging on what you believe and what you think when you think about God. So therefore, it is important for us to know what we think and believe when we talk about God. It affects our relationship with Him. And the problem is many of us have wrong views of God. Many of us have this view, old man view. You think that's who God is when you think of Him. You think of Him with a beard and a, and a robe, and he's, he's old. Now, let me tell you, all these, by the way, he's ripped. Look at that bicep. He's old, but brother's been lifting. Now, I'm going to show you a set of images that I think represent many of the things we think about God that are wrong. None of them are evil images. There's nothing wrong with an old guy that lifts weights. Online, I'm just telling you, man, keep lifting. You too can have biceps like that, but that, I just want you to know, that's not God. God's not an old man because God is ageless. That time doesn't affect God, so that's not who he is. Here's another one that, that he's not, that he's not this. Now, let me just be careful here. I grew up in a policeman's home. I, I'm blown away that we live in a time in a country where police officers are, in general, under attack, like whole cities go, we don't want police anymore. And it's funny, those cities are like, you know what, I think we do need them again. Can y'all come back? So let me just say, if you're in here and you're part of law enforcement, we thank you and honor you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you. My dad was a police officer growing up. Let me just, so there's nothing evil about that image. Here's the problem. That's not who God is, though. You see the difference? That God is not a celestial police officer waiting to get you when you mess up. I rode kind of fast down the road this morning getting to this campus. Rode by a police officer, and in my mind I thought, I hope that he knows I'm that preacher guy in the white Jeep. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'll slow it down. My dad always told me, he's like, you know, police officers can see the entire car doing like this when you're hitting the brakes. But that's not who God is. Don't have that view. That's not who he is. All right, here's another one that's not who God is. He's not Aladdin. Now let me help you here because it looks funny. It's serious. That's the version of God the prosperity gospel has given us. That's the over-materialistic Americana version of God. He's not the God of the Bible. This is the God that, if, that just pops out of the jar and gives you whatever you want. Health, you got it. Money, you got it. Learjet, sure, give enough money and everything will be fine. Let me make this clear. If your God never disagrees with you, you made him. If your God gives you everything you want, you made him. You created that God. That's an idol. That's a lie. 
That is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is not a genie in a bottle, all right? He's also not this guy. He's not a superhero. He's not Thor and the hammer. He's also not, he's definitely not this guy. Nope, not him either. So whatever your version of the force or the power or the wisdom, that's not who God is. And this is important. We don't get to say, Christians of all times have always said, we don't make God. He is who he is, and he reveals himself to us. So when we say God, what do we mean? Number one, we mean he's the living God. The Apostles' Creed leads us to understand the first thing we believe is that our God's alive. He's not an idol. We don't believe in a statue. We don't all walk by every Sunday and hit a little statue and walk in. We... Our, our, our religion, if you will, Christianity is not a group of rituals and, not, and, and a formula. No, no, no. We believe in a living God. In fact, he introduces himself to us in the pages of Scripture. Exodus 3.14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, you say this to the people, I am has sent me to you. In other words, you don't tell them you come with an idea. See, that was Rome, where the early church was. Rome was the... The idea, this idea, this is what humans can do through organization and military might and advancement. And this is what we can do. Look at what we can do. It was all about the glory of Rome. And here comes the Christians and they go, look, we're not coming to you with a new idea or philosophy or whatever. We're coming to you with the living God. He's alive. When Moses stepped into Egypt, he said, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not coming with a, just a new way of life. I'm coming because... A living God told me to. There is a living God. And, he, and, and by the way, if what we're talking about today is true, church, for the Israelites, for Rome, Roman Christians, for us today, what we're learning on Sunday, if it's true, changes Monday. Does that make sense? This is practical. Because if this is all true, then that means I'm not the boss of my life. There is an outside authority, and I, gotta, I, I have to reckon with that. Does that make sense? It changes Monday morning. It changes marriage. It changes parent. It changes. It leaks into every area of my life if these things are true. And it's been that way for all Christians at all times. He's the living God. Secondly, I can't even tell you how important this is, what I'm about to say to you. Every Christian needs to know this and grab onto it and white-knuckle it. You ready? He's the self-revealing God. And he does so through creation, scripture, and Jesus primarily. Self-revealing means we don't reveal him. That's not our job. We didn't make him up. We didn't conjure him up. We don't build idols to him. In fact, we are prohibited from having any form of him to say, here's what he looks like. God said, don't you dare do that. You remember in the Old Testament, you're like, you know what? We need something to look at. How about a golden calf? How'd that work out for him? It wasn't good. Don't do it. Don't do that. No, no. God reveals himself. This is beautiful for all Christians to understand. We don't have to say, well, God, we don't really know who he is. We believe in him. No, you do know who he is. He's told you who he is. He's revealed himself in creation, Jesus, and scripture. First creation. Paul, the apostle Paul, makes the argument that no human being is without excuse. Number one, all humans know in their hearts there, there is a God. The Bible guarantees that. If you're a human, you were created by God, and you know there is one. Right out of the gate. You can suppress that, but it's there. And secondly, God will speak to you and reveal himself to you through his creation. Look at Romans 1.20. For his, God's, 
invisible attributes, namely, so he, he gets specific. He says there's two things you can see about God undeniably in creation. His existence, of course, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been not kind of perceived. What does Paul say? Clearly perceived. Ever since when? How long has he been clearly showing himself to all humans? Since the beginning, the creation of the world. In what way? In the things that have been made. And it's so clear, Paul says it's so clear, the revelation of God in creation, that it removes the excuse from humans of not knowing him and pursuing him. That's awesome, isn't it? That helps us understand. So when you walk outside, the the Bible is telling us here, and the Apostle Creed is reminding us, that when we walk outside and we see trees and oceans and cows and birds and, and, and look at our own children and, and, and look at our own hands and the way our eyes work and, and then we look at our telescopes and look at space, and God is screaming at us. Here's who I am. We lived in Atlanta. We didn't have cell phones. And I am directionally challenged. We'd come visit family in Alabama. We'd head back to Atlanta. There's a huge sign that said, Snellville, Georgia, which is where we lived. And I would drive by it every time. If my wife fell asleep in the car coming back, oh, I'd drive a long way by it. She would catch it because she's not directionally challenged. She'd say to me, Chris, the sign is huge. But I'm thinking about other things, listen to music, drive right by it. Let me tell you something. Every human being who goes into eternity without God will go there flying by sign after sign after sign after sign, after sign, after sign, with God saying, here I am. Here I am. Know me. Pursue me. Not only in creation, though, also through the scriptures. He got more specific. He gave us the word of God. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. So there's a lot of things we don't know. But there are things we do know because he told us. Look. But the things that are revealed, how? Creation and the Bible. The things that are revealed belong to us. So God has given us things that we can know. And not only to us, but we're supposed to teach them to who? Look at there. Our kids. That's why kids ministry is not just us babysitting your kids. No, no, we're teaching them about God. And, and look at this. And that leads to something. This is why Sunday changes Monday. When you know him, the things he's revealed to you, it'll change how you live. Look, that we may do all the words of this law. It didn't start with doing. It starts with the a relationship with the living God, but it ends with doing. So all Christians in all places, we don't start by trying to perform for God and see if we can get to know him. We start with belief in him, we know him now, and then we begin to do things out of that. That's what Christianity looks like. It's what we believe. And then finally, the apex of God revealing himself to everyone. He starts with creation, he gives us his word, and then here comes the incarnation. Jesus. Because finite eyes can't even look at an infinite God. You can't see him. So he said, you know what? I'm going to let you see me. I'm going to let you see me. Not only am I going to let you see me, I'm going to let you watch me bleed. You're going to watch me breathe. You're going to watch me die. You're going to hear me laugh. You're going to watch me weep. Your human eyes are going to see me, the almighty God. And he comes as a man. In Jesus. We're going to talk about Jesus next week. So we're just going to move back over here, okay? Because we're going to talk about the Father in just a second. So Jesus said that about himself in 
John 1, 18. Jesus said, no one has ever seen God. Why? Because we're finite. He's infinite. Of course can't see God. Watch this. But the only God who's at the Father's side. So who's the only one that can say that he's God and he sits at the Father's side? Jesus says, he himself has made him known. You can know him because of creation, the word, and then ultimately Jesus. Next, when we say God at three circle, what we believe about him in the Apostle Creed reminds us is that he is triune. We believe in the Trinity. When we say God, we mean God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Now, some of this will make your brain hurt, and that's good. It's okay for humans' brains to hurt. So if you're in Thomasville right now, you're like, my brain's hurting, man. It's called worship. Just worship. It's okay. This is what Christians for all times have thought and wrestled with and wondered over and had joy in. See, if you just go to church Sunday after Sunday and hear, here's how to have better marriage. Here's how to save your money. Here's how to be a better parent. Here's how to have a better 2022. You know what that ends up with? Very shallow Christianity. We need to dive into the deep end of the pool and see who God is. And guess what happens when real Christians get to know their real living God? Marriages get better. Money gets better. Parenting gets better. Why? Because we've got to know the living God. That's why. That's why this stuff matters so much. So he's the triune God. You can see the entire trinity in John 15, 26. Jesus is talking. He says, he's the son of God. He says, when the helper comes, well, who's this? Whom I will send to you. So there's this other one he's sending from the father. So it's not the father he's sending. It's someone else. Then he tells you, the spirit. Oh, so now we've got the son talking about the spirit and the father. And he says, he, the spirit, will proceed from the father and he will bear witness about me. So the father is going to send the spirit and the spirit is going to bear witness about the son. And you've got the trinity. It kind of looks like, this. Here's a picture of the Trinity. And that's a, you know, there's all sorts of ways you can look at this. God is Father, God is Spirit, God is Son. They, when, when Jesus says, me and the Father are one, he's not saying that the Son is the Father and the Father is the Son. He's saying we share the essence of the Godhead. Fully God. Brain's hurting. It's good. He's triune. He's also creator God. Notice that the Apostles' Creed wants you to know that. He's our Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. That is a worldview that we need to teach and white-knuckle folks in a world, in a world that's telling generations that they can have their own version of truth, which ultimately leads to your own version of God. It's your own version of humanity. Like, like we're not even committing anymore to genders. Like, everything's, everything's up for grabs. Everything's up for grabs. In a world like that, Christians better know what we believe and lovingly, not militantly, but lovingly show the world, no, here's who we are and here's what we believe. And don't think you're new. They were doing it in Rome. We, we don't need to be like, we're the only Christians ever had to do this. Uh, the early church is going to be like, excuse me, we taught y'all how to do this. Because they were in a world just as pluralistic as we are, just as universalist as we are. They had to do the same thing. So we believe in a creator God. Colossians says this, Colossians 1.16. For by him all things were created, all things, even cats. <laughs> all things. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things were created through him and for him, okay? So when we talk about God, this is what we believe. And all real Christians for all time. So what this is doing is, because sometimes in modern Christianity, we, we act like we're the only ones. There's been 2,000 years of us, y'all. 
Like there's been church, you can read about all these churches. They dealt with the same stuff we deal with. Oh, they didn't have cell phones. Yeah, well, you weren't, you're not being burned at the stake every weekend either like they were. Well, they didn't have to deal with the media like we do. Uh, they had Nero, the emperor, hunting them down. I don't know if I want to get in a contest with the early church on who's got it worse, y'all. They dealt with this stuff. And out of those struggles came, we better know what we believe. We better teach our kids. We better nail this stuff down. So they wrestled. They gave us this gift of this creed that has stood the test of time. And in that first line, they say also that we need to know that our God is triune. And we'll start today by ending the day talking about the first member of the Trinity, the Father. When God reveals himself to us, he says, I am your Father. And notice the brilliant writing of the Apostles' Creed. He's not just Father, he's Almighty. He's the Father and he's Almighty. Write it down. He's personal and he's sovereign. So as we look today at this God who we want to know, who wants us to know him, he wants us to know him as Father first. Next week we'll look at the Son. But today we need to understand that that one member of the Trinity is the Father. He is spirit. He doesn't have a body. So he's not that old guy we looked at. Okay? He, he, he's, we could go into this. He's, he himself, the Father's not male. It, don't, don't go gender. You go on function. You go on, but he wants you to see him as Father. The way he fathers us. The way he loves us. The way he is our authority. Okay? He's personal and he's sovereign. Where did they get that? I want you to see. They got it right out of the Bible. Jesus, when he taught us to pray in Matthew 6, 9, said, you pray like this. Our Father, personal, in heaven, sovereign. Do y'all see that? Our Father, personal, in heaven, sovereign. Our Father, close, in heaven, over. Our Father, intimate, in heaven, Powerful. Y'all getting it? Christians don't want to fall on either ditch. Because if you just have a God who's father and closed, you'll take advantage of him. That's how we end up with Aladdin God. That's how we end up with Papa God. Because all he is is father and you you didn't do the almighty part. And conversely, if you just have almighty God, you end up with religion then. Because you can't get close to him. Because he's just mighty and powerful. He's a force, but you don't know him. You don't love him. You don't have connection with him. The God of Christianity is both. He's our father and he's almighty. Watch this. It means that the God of Christianity is close enough that he can hear your prayers, but big enough to answer them. That's who he is. That's who he is. Close enough to hear your prayers, big enough to answer them. And we can't fall on either side of this. We've got to grab both. Because that's how he's revealed himself. You can't, look, man, when I, if I go speak somewhere and I go, hey, guys, I am from the Bronx in New York. They're going to be like, has he ever heard himself talk? We know you're, you don't sound like you're from there. Where do I sound like I'm from? Always good. Texas or Alabama? Alabama. Got a little southern accent there. So it's like, I can't change, you can't, I can't make myself something I'm not, right? So just because you want God to be close and not be powerful, well, he, he is. Remember what he said? I am who I am. We as Christians of all ages, we get to go, no, we want to know you and who you are. You tell us who you are. 
And he goes, glad you asked. Read your Bible, take a walk outside and look at trees and dogs and stuff, and then spend some time looking at Jesus. That's who I am. I am almighty. You can see my handiwork. I am specific. You can read your Bible. And I am real and living. You can see me live and die on a cross. God has revealed himself to us. And he says, I am your father. And what this means, if he's our father, is it means we've been adopted. How did we become children of God? It's one of the great things we believe as Christians. We were adopted into his family. Next week we'll see how through Jesus. But the reason we call him our father is that he's adopted us. He has made us his children. Isn't that good news? So we've talked about how big and mighty he is. I mean, so big. Don't miss the almighty part, y'all. He's so close that we can pray to him and talk to him and cry to him. But he's so over all things. He threw the, he threw the stars into existence. Right now, there's planets that we don't even know about. And they're rotating at speeds that would boggle our minds. And yet God knows exactly when each one of them rotates. Right now, there's not a bug on this planet that is moving that God couldn't tell you where they are and how they move. There's not a bird breathing air on this big planet of ours that God can't number every breath they're taking right now. He knows every speck of dust moving around this room. He is that big and that mighty and that over all. And yet that That big God wants you to know him and reveals himself to you. That's how great this is. We should stand and wonder and awe. And yet he has said, I will make you my children. I will adopt you with the most expensive adoption of all time. Galatians 4, 7. You're no longer a slave. You are God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you an heir. I love this. Since you are his child, it means there's implications God has made you an heir. We say it three circle. It's not real until you're in the will. You're in the will. You're an heir. It's not real until you're in the will. I sure do love you. Do you? Let's make it real. My, look, growing up, my grandmother liked to joke with me sometimes. and Because and I, I liked to joke with her and I would play tricks on her and all this stuff. She'd say, we're going to take you out of the will. That's what's going to happen here. Just give me a hard time. You'll never hear those words from God. You can't listen. You're in if you are a Christian. Now, what does it mean if God is your father? Let me give you five closing things. They're really good news. If all this is true and God's my father, number one, we are loved. You are loved. You can't imagine how much you are loved. Secondly, you're provided for. He provides for you. He will provide for his children. Thirdly, he leads us now. We have an authority. We have someone telling us what we need to do, and that's good news because we're not that good at it. We need help. He helps us. Fourthly, we now have an identity. Your identity is that you're a child of God if you're a Christian. It's number one. Not what you do, not if you're successful or popular or healthy or in shape or you're old or you're young or you're handsome or you're beautiful or you're talented or what. Whoa, whoa. No, all Christians for all times are able to say together, whether we're in 300 A.D. or 1860 Civil War America or, or uh, uh, 1950s in India or right now in southern Alabama at a campus or online or in this building here, all Christians for all time say this, we are children of God. That's who we are. And finally, we're secure. 
Because God's our Father, the New Testament says over and over again, don't worry, don't be afraid. We're secure. Because of who our Father is. How many of you are glad you came to church today? To delight in Him. Listen. Sunday's got to change Monday. If all that's true, that changes everything. He's your Father. Let's pray together. Jesus, now we're going to worship you, and I pray over this room and at every campus that we will worship you and that we'll be drawn to you. Be glorified in this place and in all of our campuses and in every home that watched today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.